Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have this conversation uh, with a good friend of mine, um, Justin Skinner. As we get into this, um, we, we, you know, we were kind of talking off camera and, and Justin's another one, this is like a thread in my life, but Justin's another one that I've met through GoBundance and Justin reached out to me, uh, before I left Phoenix and he's like, Hey, I'm going to be in town. You want to go golfing? And, and I just, I love, 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 um, all the opportunities that I've ever had on the golf course. Cause it's just really one of the favorite things that I love about golf is just really getting to know somebody that you've never golfed with before. But what's cool is that like every single time, uh, and I, again, I think it's just the people that belong in, in GoBundance or that join GoBundance, but then also, you know, really connecting over a four or five hour game of golf, depending on, you know, whether you're as bad as me or not. Um, I just love that time because it seems like the, the, um, evolution of the relationship just continues. And so when we were talking, um, off camera, Justin has a book called the professional failure, and he has a podcast around the same uh, thread, which we'll get into. But that's one of the things that I really love about, um, you know, people like Justin. And as he was talking, I was asking him why, why he named the book, what he did. And I really resonate with this. I remember one of my mentors telling me early on, I think this was, uh, he was actually a general contractor. And he said to me, the only bad decision is indecision. And he was talking about, you know, people that are scared to make um, decisions and choices. And Norman Schwarzkopf made the same phrase about, you know, one of the things that made his boss successful and that made him successful was not being scared to, to, to move forward and, and fail and knowing that you've built such an amazing team around you that even if you make the wrong decision, or even if things don't work out the way you planned, that team will take that decision and make it good. And so I love um, Justin's book, which again, we'll get into the, the, on the cover, it says using the gift of failures to better yourself and those around you. And I'll let, I'll let Justin kind of chime in on this, but that's one of the things I remember reading. Uh, I think it was John Maxwell's book failing forward years ago. And so I just totally resonate with this because I think so many people are so scared to make mistakes in life that they're just frozen and they stay where they're at. And that's what gets your butt planted on the couch and I think it's him who makes mistakes faster and adjusts faster that wins. Justin, thanks for being was, on the show. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been a fan of the show for a long time, so it, it's an honor to be here. Cool. Well, let's let's start off with the podcast because I was um, I, I recorded with you, and and actually by the time this launches, um, it, yours will have launched a couple of weeks ago. So um, let let's start there. Tell me about the podcast. Yeah, I just wanted to start some, I know uh, we briefly talked about how, you know, just, just the topic of failures can be taboo. And I know so many people are just weighed down by failures. Um, but wanted to start the podcast to kind of pull stories of failures out from people and the lessons they learn. Cause I know there are certain people that resonate with 
certain people and there's certain stories. And so uh, I feel like everyone and anyone who has been successful has some sort of story of failure. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to put that into a form and it's almost, I feel like a, a journal. It's, it's another learning experience for me because I hear these stories and from people that I know and I'm close to, and then other people I'm just meeting, but uh, really every episode, I feel like I'm learning something new. I'm learning just a new perspective on something, uh, whether it be business, life, motherhood, fatherhood, whatever it is. Uh, so it's been, it's been really fun to, to start that. And here we are like 26, 27 episodes in on our, on our way to a hundred and we'll see, see where it goes from there. You know, um, this really has nothing to do with you or I, other than, you know, we took the plunge and started it. But on that thread too, I just can't say it enough or reiterate enough what you just said. Since launching the Investing for Freedom podcast, you know, I if you're if you're listening out there and you're thinking about launching a podcast, um, obviously we don't want to take it lightly because once you get started, you know, you need to be committed to it and everything else. But I love what you just said because I've had, I don't know, I'm on episode 230 or something. I don't even know. And I've been thinking about this so much. You cannot have a 45 minute conversation with someone and, and not, you know, connect with them on a deeper level. And you can't tell me that even, even podcasts that I've been on or people that I've had on my show that I don't know, which isn't very many, but after 45 minutes, it's not like I can't remember, you know, I, I can't forget you. That's, that's the reality. And, and you get to connect on such a deep, intimate level. And so I just wanted to throw that out there because when you're talking about it, just, you know, you're on episode uh, 20 something and it's to your point, like it's just such an amazing way to get to know people and also for both of you to just share your gift with the world. So for anybody that's listening, just make it happen. And I think again, um, don't be scared. And I think this will probably be a thread today because it's your show. Um, don't be scared of the things that are going to go wrong. We spend so much time looking at, you know, what if nobody shows up and what if nobody listens and all of these things. And the reality is it's probably going to go so much better than what you were planning. Right. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so good because I, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. When I started the podcast, when I wrote the book, I was scared. I was nervous. I was like, is, does anyone care? Is anyone going to read it? Is anyone going to listen? But I think the, the key to all of it and for anyone listening is that it's not about the results. It's not about who's listening. Honestly, it's about the journey through that. And I think you can, you can see that thread back in the podcast when I start, I'm still not perfect. And I probably won't ever be perfect in the podcasting world or book writing world, but my book's not perfect. My podcast isn't perfect. Perfect. But at the end of the day, I don't care because, um, you know, it's, it's about meeting people. It's about that journey. It's about documenting, um, other people's lives and their stories and, and ultimately hopefully encouraging others to action. Yeah. I remember, um, a couple, it was before I started my podcast. So this was probably two and a half, three years ago. And, uh, I went to a speaking event with Sean Stevenson, who I had met through GoBundance. Um, he was an amazing, amazing human. He ended up passing away just a few days after that speaking engagement. But I remember one of the guys that was speaking there, he had his iPhone and he pulled his iPhone out and he said, this is the new three by five stage. And it was just one of those weekends where it was like, it just reinforced everything that I'd kind of been thinking. And I think we have to be aware and cognizant of the changes and the timing that we're in. But I've said this so many times, it really easily becomes just a number, like a download or whatever. And the reality, that guy was talking about, he said, look, if you were going to put on an, an event and just one person showed up, would you continue to give your talk? And of course you would. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's one person or 10 or 20, you know, sometimes you look at downloads and it's like 300 or 500 or a thousand or whatever number of downloads you're getting. And it, you don't really associate it with lives changed in people. But the reality is if we could, 
you know, if we did a meetup or something like that and just one person or five people or, you know, you speak at a luncheon and there's 10 people there, that's so exhilarating and amazing. But then when it comes to like a podcast or a book or whatever, we think we have to have tens of thousands of people to make a difference. And the reality is like, I mean, if a hundred people are listening to your podcast, that is awesome. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's so well said and so wise because I think a lot of us get caught up in that. And, and I mean, I still fight it too. It's not like, oh man, you know, I wish I had more downloads or I wish I had this. It's still, it's still, you know, could be hurtful, but at the same time, my goal is to just encourage one person a day. And if I can do that and I see that and I encourage two people a day, that's the reason I'm doing it. It's like, I'm not, I have no desire to be famous. I have no desire to have this like massive social media following. I just have a desire to reach as many people as I can and encourage them. That's so at the end of the day, if I can encourage one person, if that's my brother-in-law or if that's my mom or if that's my wife uh, and that's it, then I feel like I've, I've done what I set out to do. Yeah. It's so, so powerful. Do you get a lot of feedback yet? Are you, are you getting, yeah, it's, it's been really fun. And honestly, it's been a lot more emotional than I thought I had. A, I gave a keynote a couple of weeks ago and I told the story of my little nephew and who knows I may tear up again, but, uh, he, I actually cried. I, I, uh, I was practicing the keynote the night before on stage and I got to the part where I was telling the story. And I just cried for like a minute. Um, I, it's just one of those things that it's been a lot more emotional, uh, than I realized, but, uh, anyway, my little nephew, he's 12, and uh, he was, he's been, you know, wanting to play quarterback for his flag football team for a while. So anytime he's over, he's like asking me to play catch with him and he plays catch with his dad and basically anyone that will play catch with him. So anyway, my wife, Kendra and I went to go see him play and uh, he finally got the chance. So we, he got in, he hopped in and uh, you know, his first, first pass was like this perfect, beautiful pass down midfield and right to receiver, no one behind him and the receiver drops it. Uh, so his first pass goes from possible like touchdown to, you know, agony for him. Uh, and then, you know, second down, third down, fourth down, he all incomplete. So his first, first drive is, is not that, that great, you know, when it's, when you're looking at success, but he stuck with it and he wound up, I think he wound up throwing three or four touchdowns, um, had an interception, but they wound up winning the game. And afterwards he came up and, uh, his dad, Derek said, um, Hey, Nolan, why don't you tell Justin Kinder what you told me after the game? And Nolan walks up to us and just said, uh, well, I was, I was really nervous to go in the game cause I didn't want to mess up. And then, then I remembered your book and how it was okay to fail. So I just, I went for it. And that kind of stuff is, is like I said, a lot more emotional than, than I would, what I would thought, but, but really that trajectory, if, if a kid can get it at 12, that man, I need to face failure head on. And I'm not a failure. If I, if I don't do well, it's, but it's more about the doing, um, that's impactful for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. That's so good, man. I love it. Well, I, I just got off on a tangent and, and totally threw us off here. I, I was just so intrigued with the the, the name and what you're working on. I got to get to the four questions because I'm curious. Yeah, about... sorry, that's my fault too. No, I, I, I mean, we went into we went into some good stuff, and I, um, I, you know, sometimes I don't even worry about it, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm genuinely curious about your answers on some of this because, you know, I, I think you and I have gotten to know each other, but I, I, I wouldn't say I know you enough to where I think I'm gonna understand the, the answers to these. So I'm curious about it. Um, and I'm also going to mix it up on you. So, um, if yeah. you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would it be? I mean, it's gotta be failures. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And I know maybe it's cliche for me to say, and I have talked about it, but I think from a young age, um, and, and I'll probably get into this too with, with my parents, but I think my parents taught me how to fail. And I think, you know, I 
grew up playing baseball, baseball is a sport of failure. And I, I really, I had some amazing coaches that taught me how to succeed through failure and how to keep your head held high when you go over four and you strike out four times and how to not get too proud of yourself when you're four for four with four home runs. I mean, it, it's this balance. Um, so I really would say leaning into failure and, and leaning and working through that nervousness and, you know, thinking and wondering if I'm enough, if I put in enough time, prep, all that, um, just being able to work through that and face the fear of failure head on, I think has helped me more than anything. That's awesome. I love it. What is the single piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? I'd probably go to a couple different things. Um, right now I'm sharing, um, cause of the book, I, I want people to understand that failures are a gift, mm-hmm. um, that just that subtle mindset set shift, um, being able to say, yeah, I, I understand that failure is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not going to weigh me down. It's a lesson. So I've been sharing that a lot lately. And then uh, my dad taught me all growing up. And I think it's, it's helped me in so many areas, but he always told me, and he, he said he learned this from his dad, um, that money's a tool. And he told me that over and over and over again, he said, you can use money for good or you can use it for evil. It's your choice. Um, and I know growing up in the Midwest, um, you know, we're in the Bible belt and we hear a lot and there are certain people that, you know, say money's evil, don't chase money, all this stuff. But I just don't think it's true. I think that money has a purpose and, you know, having money definitely gives you certain benefits in this world. Um, but you can also steward that money well, and you can use that money to bless others, or you can use it to be a tyrant and, you know, take as much as you can. But I, I just choose not to live that way. You know, I love that. And one of my mentors, Chris Harder, who I've just learned so much from about, you know, I, I thought I had a good relationship with money, but this guy has really taught me from an energetic standpoint, um, you know, how powerful money can be. And I love that you kind of tied that in. Um, you know, I think his, his tagline is something like when, when good people, uh, make good money, they accomplish great things. And, and it's so true. And, and Chris has taught me a lot about the energy around money. And, you know, one of the things that I've really been thinking about the last couple of years too, and you just, um, kind of, you know, brought this back up for me, I think money just kind of magnifies what already exists. I don't think money really, money's not even really a thing. It's an exchange, right? And so if I'm an asshole or if I'm like, you know, a greedy person or whatever, just because I have more money or less money doesn't really change, you know, who I am. I think it just kind of magnifies it. And so I, I really, I I love that. And I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah. I fully believe that money just magnifies what you are, whether, you know, if you get a ton of money and I've seen it a couple of different times, people don't have money and you, they get money and it just brings out a bad side of them. So I do think, uh, there's a lot to working on your character before, uh, you come into a lot of money. I think it, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, and it, this is cliche as, as you kind of mentioned earlier too, but that's the whole lottery thing, right? That's why people yeah. that, you know, win the lottery, most of them don't keep it because they haven't built that character. They don't really know. They didn't go through the steps that it took in order to earn that level of energy and commitment and, and knowledge and information and how do you protect that and the relationships and, and all of the above. And so I don't really, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the lottery. It's, it's just, a, it's a shortcut and you didn't learn the character along the way. Exactly. Yeah. That's well said. All right. Um, what was your greatest setback and what'd you learn from it? Yeah. So this is, uh, this goes back to baseball and, uh, I had, I had, I had wanted to play professional baseball my entire life. And I know that's the dream of, you know, a lot of young boys and, um, you know, I always heard it growing up, well, you better be careful. You know, there's only a certain percentage that make it. I just didn't care. So that was my goal from the time I was 
two and my dad introduced me to baseball. Um, I mean, my dad was awesome. He would come home and, you know, he'd get off at five and he'd play catch with me as long as I wanted. He'd throw pop flies. So I just always had that strong connection with my dad. Um, but I just always wanted to play professional baseball. That was what I had in my head. My, my, actually my, one of my best friends growing up was a high draft pick, uh, for the Tampa Bay devil rays. So I just assumed we were going to follow in the same footsteps. Um, but anyway, uh, wound up playing in middle school, high school, had some success, um, wound up getting recruited to play in college. And, uh, I, we, I felt like everything was leading up. I had, I'd had a really good junior year. I went and played in the Alaskan baseball league, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I spent a summer in Alaska and played in, you know, the league with, uh, you know, Barry Bonds and, and some of these big name baseball players, uh, they're all like all over the the stadium. So had a really good summer and made the all-star team. Our team wound up winning the championships. We just had an amazing group of guys. And, and actually the, I was the five hole hitter, the two, three, four, six, seven, and eight hole guy all got drafted that year. Uh, and, but for some reason I'll, I'll spoil it, but I didn't wind up getting drafted. But anyway, uh, towards the end of my senior year, uh, wound up getting a tryout with the Cubs and had some interest. Um, and so the trial went well and the scout, you know, came to me and said, you know, we like you, uh, I'm going to call you on draft day. Here's your draft number. So I just think all the stars are aligning. I think doors are opening. Uh, my wife, Kendra and I were just newly married. So we're talking through what it looks like to travel and what that's going to look like for our marriage. Uh, and then the draft day rolls around and, you know, I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to be a high draft pick, but I really didn't care. I just needed a chance. Cause uh, you know, I, there wasn't any doubt in my mind that I was going to play professional. And uh, uh, the draft comes and and it's, I don't know, gets around 30 or 33. And I'm uh, at home. I lived with four or five other baseball guys. They were gone. Um, but the draft comes and they wound up, the Cubs wound up drafting uh, this high school catcher. And he was, you know, probably 40 pounds lighter and, you know, uh, didn't, didn't hit 300 in high school. And at that point, I just knew that uh, it wasn't going to happen. So I literally just shut my laptop and I cried and uh, for like five minutes, I literally just sat there and cried, but it was the, one of the first real crushing moments of like, man, am, am I a failure? Have I wasted 18 years of my life mm. sacrificing and chasing this? Um, and it was just, it was a, it was a good moment. I wouldn't change it looking back. Um, but during those five minutes, I, I really just had to think through a lot of different things and, and think, you know, these 18 years of building character and, you know, having teammates and, and great coaches and all the relationships I had formed through those years, it wasn't a waste. It was just, I just needed to figure out how to transition that character to the next phase of my life. And I think that was such an important learning lesson. Um, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I think think it's really helped me um, kind of lean into uh, open doors, closed doors. I, I'm a firm believer that God will open doors and God will close doors. Um, and I really think that solidified that for me at, at that time. And at the time I didn't know, and I was confused and I was angry and I was mad, but looking back, it, it orchestrated um, for, for, for the best for me and for Kendra. You know, I'm curious, um, how, how did, how did Kendra you know, you guys were newly married at that point in time. How'd that, yeah. how'd that all play out? I mean, yeah, that, she, that's tough on you, right? Yeah, it was really tough. Um, she was really supportive. Uh, she didn't, you know, it wasn't like she, she actually, she encouraged me to, to, she's like, go play in an independent ball. I, I had opportunities to go play independent ball. I just didn't want to. I just, I had a piece about not playing and um, the whole time, yeah, Kendra's like, I'll travel, I'll do whatever you want, whatever you need to do. 
But for some reason, I just knew that that wasn't the right path, even though that's what I wanted. I just, like I said, I had this piece and I'm really trying to lean more into that and learn to follow that piece through decisions and not necessarily what's the shiniest thing. Uh, so I think looking back, that was another good lesson. But yeah, Kinder was amazing through it. She she was really supportive and really always there if I ever needed to talk or just be angry or mad or throw a pillow or punch a couch or whatever I needed to do. She was, she was there. That's cool. I love it. Who's had the greatest yeah. impact on your life? Yeah, this is, this is a, a, probably a complicated one, but I think it's, there's been different stages. Um, for sure. My parents, they, they were the ones I really feel like that, that taught me how to fail. So my dad was amazing. My mom was amazing. I feel like I had two of the best parents in the world, but my dad was very tough on me when he needed to be tough and gentle when he needed to be gentle. And my mom was the same way. It was like, they both just had this balance about them that I, 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 I didn't understand until recently. Um, but I really believe they allowed me to, to fail within boundaries. So from the time I was little, you know, I'd mess up, but they never, they never got onto me in a way that was like, well, you did this cause you're a bad kid. Like, mm-hmm. that's why you made this decision. It was, it was always like, Hey, I'd mess up or I'd be mean to my siblings. And there's a, like, Hey, that's, that's not you. Like you messed up, but you know, you're going to do better next time. Mm-hmm. And I think that had a massive impact on my life. I'm so grateful for that. So, so all the way up until I was honestly probably 18 when I left the house, uh, they had a huge impact on me. Um, I had coaches along the way. Uh, and then I had two really good friends. I had mentioned um, uh, John Barrett, who got drafted um, in by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays out of high school. He was just a phenomenal baseball player, um, pitcher. And uh, and then another friend, Cameron Jones, who uh, who's now an attorney. Uh, but they were both two really high character guys that I went through life with. I'm still we st- we're still going through life now, but they were always there to you know to kind of reel me back in if I made a bad decision. It was like hey okay, we're, we're not going to go down that path. So uh, having three guys or, or two guys around me and kind of that trio to go through high school and college was invaluable. And I still, I'm so grateful that, uh, to this day. And then, I mean, lastly, uh, but it is my wife. I mean, we've been married for 14 years now and I think she's opened my eyes to things that I could never learn from my parents or, you know, two, two good friends. Uh, I think she's, she's really taught me how to be more empathetic and lean into, you know, um, maybe understanding people in a better way. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause to be completely honest, I, I, I'm a very hard person and, you know, I was always one of those people. It's like, try harder, no excuses. And I had no sympathy or empathy for anyone. Um, and I think she's really helped me see that. And she's really helped me grow, you know, from a spiritual standpoint too, and, and lean into, um, maybe trusting, uh, my spiritual leanings more than what I had in the past. So she's been invaluable. And I'd say to the, to, even to this day and right now, she's probably the best mentor I have, uh, in my life. Wow. That's amazing, yeah. man. I, that's pretty powerful. Does she know that? I think, I think I can work on telling her that more, but I hope she knows it. I just need to, uh, one thing I've been trying to do more of is like write her one sticky note every morning. Mm. Um, and I'm terrible at it cause I just, I need to get in the habit of it. Just a little note that says, thank you. I love you. You know, thank you for doing, for making breakfast or thank you. You know, I was, so it's just amazing to wake up next to you. Like little things like that, uh, where I feel like I don't need those. Uh, I'm trying to learn how to love her in that way. Mm. And it's, it's, it goes back to the five love languages book. If you've ever read that, but um, it's just, it's hard because it's outside of my habits. um, But I'm really trying to do better about that. So 
it would be good to ask her. I'm actually going to interview on, on, on my podcast. Uh, so I'll ask her that question and we'll see what she says. That's really cool. Um, you know, yeah. that's been one of the things that I love about, um, y- you know, this, and I think, you know, probably a big part of the audience knows it too, but Karen, and I run a couple's mastermind and yeah. I'll tell you, it's probably, I mean, of all the things that we do and have done the businesses, the investing, the, the podcast, all the communities, you know, of every, I think it's my favorite thing because of what you just go abundance is great because like a lot of times we get into these masterminds and it's very focused on, you know, learn how to raise money or real estate or, you know, business or whatever it is, um, online marketing go abundance is awesome because you know, there's all these pillars and we really get to see that other side. And so when you hear, you know, when I hear a Justin Skinner say what you just said about your wife and her being your greatest mentor and, you know, I'm part of front row dads and that's an, another amazing organization that, you know, every time I go there, it's just a whole bunch of guys trying to become a better version of themselves. And so we get that in go abundance and we get that with front row dads. But, um, the reason why I guess I'm kind of camping on this is, you know, I've said this so many times too, um, with Kara, I think like Kara, Kara saved me. Not, not like in the way that like, you know, God saved me, but she like saved me as a human because yeah. I was, I was in a bad way, man. And you know, when, when your wife is one of the people that has had the greatest impact on your life and the way that you said that, like it just, it, it, it jerks on something in my heart. And again, that's what I, I love so much, you know, working in the couple's mastermind because so many times we're, we're going through life and, you know, we're doing life and you got your career and she's got her career and, you know, it's very seldom do you get to come together and, and really work on the the deep parts like that. And so, I don't know, that just did something for me, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. And I, and I love that you guys do so many things together too, because it, it really is. I mean, it's, it's not like she's, she's just a wife. And, and honestly, we were talking uh, a couple of days ago in the car and she's like calculating cap rates. So it's like, it's not like she's just, she doesn't know business because she does. And we've been in business for over a decade, but there's just no one I would rather have with, you know, other than a wife as a partner in life. She's just, she's everything I'm not. And I think that's what a good marriage is. So good, man. I love yeah. it. Congrats. Hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks. It's really cool. She's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. It's uh it, it's pretty cool. You know, and on on that note too, I I can't tell you how many times I found myself saying, like, you know, how did you raise such amazing kids? Or how do you and Kara have such a great relationship? And you know, my default answer is like she makes it so easy. Like yeah. and I know it always takes two, but the reality is like, I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't know what that is, and I've never fully I don't know if we just got lucky and, you know, found the perfect combination or if it, and I, we've worked on it too. It's not like everything's always rosy. I mean, I'm sure you guys have issues too, but for sure we have issues, gem, yeah. man. She's just a gem. Yeah. And I, and I think too, it's important. And I know you said it takes two, but I've seen, I've seen wives that are, are very sacrificial and they do a lot, but the husbands don't see it and they take it for granted and it, it doesn't work. So I do think it does take two and it, it's it, kudos to you for seeing it too. Cause uh, I, I fully believe that as a man, I mean, we're as a man in a marriage, we're called to, to bring the best out of our wives and that's not an easy task. And I am not perfect by it. And I've been struggling to figure out how to do that for the last 14 years, mm-hmm. but hopefully I'm just getting a little bit better every day. Uh, with it. And that's the goal to, to really bring her out and make her the best that she could ever be. So good, man. (laughs) It's so good. I love it. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I guess this is another spoiler, but I'm, I'm really curious about 
this sabbatical that you're taking and then we'll get yeah. into what you actually do because i mean nobody even knows what your what your job is or career or anything else which half the time you know that's kind of like everybody always, so what do you do well it doesn't really matter i want to know about justin so let's talk about yeah. the sabbatical and then we'll get into like you know your guys's business and everything else yeah yeah so we're really excited about it it's it's scary we've never done it before um, but we've had a, a business friend and mentor out of Texas, actually out of Dallas that have, they've been encouraging us to do this for years, for seven, eight years. Hey, you guys just take a sabbatical. It's, it's life changing. You need to do it. And we've always kind of put it off. So finally last December, we said, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do the sabbatical. We're gonna take it. So that's coming up in July. So we're gonna, we've been trying to figure out what that looks like and, and how that's gonna, uh, how we're gonna work through that. Um, and by work, I mean, not work. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're trying to figure out, you know, what that looks like from a rest standpoint. So if we can read books, if we can do things, but I don't really know what, we don't really have expectations in it. And that's, we've heard people say like, don't go in it to get something out of it. Just go into it to learn how to rest, to learn how to unplug. So that's the goal. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be itchy. I'm going to be like, I know the first couple of weeks, I'm just, I'm someone who's always going. So I just, I want to be doing something. I want to be productive. So I think it's going to be an interesting um, uh, change of mindset and mind frame for me to lean into just resting. Mm. Yeah, I, I can imagine, man. And you know, I, I I don't I don't want to get off in the weeds on this, but one of the reasons why I sold my first business, um, Kara. So this was twenty twenty twelve, and she said, "Hey, you know, in ten years from now, when Keaton graduates, our youngest daughter, which is actually now, she's like, I want to take a year off." And that I was like, okay, great. That's, that sounds like a great idea. But I started really thinking through that and I started looking at my business and I'm like, there's no way I can take a year off. And that really set me on a journey of like, you know, alignment. And the reason why I brought this up too, is like, I think it's really cool that you guys are doing it for a month. I'm thinking about like in the old Testament in the Jewish culture, well, I didn't, I shouldn't say the old Testament really in Jewish culture, when they get married, they take a year. Yeah. And they just go and, and get to know each other and everything else. And our society is so like, we're so programmed to like grind and perform. And the idea of a 40 hour work week is it's, it's new. It's, it's relatively new. Um, and that doesn't mean that they didn't work hard back in the day and on the farm and everything else. But the reality is like, we have this whole other version. And so I'm just so curious about, you know, the concept of the sabbatical and it's just not normal. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like not normal. Uh, I just think that's a fun, a fun concept, but I, I think that's part of why I love what you do so much too, because you're even the, the title of your show, it's investing for freedom. It's not investing to be a hundred millionaire. It's not investing to be a billionaire. It's investing for freedom. And I think a lot of guys forget that sometimes. And they think, man, if I just grind for 20 years, I'll sell the company for 50 million and we'll be set. Um, but I, I want to keep in mind that the whole reason that I started investing and I started personal development is to have my own time. Um, but it's this balance because as an entrepreneur, you leave the corporate world, you leave a job working for someone maybe you don't like, then you work for yourself and you turn into that guy that you don't like. So then you're like, you got to be at the office 12 hours a day. You got to be grinding and you are that guy. Mm -hmm. You're just doing it to yourself. So I think it's really important to figure out, man, 
I'm investing for freedom. I'm investing for the ability to take a sabbatical, to take off to wherever we want to go for a week. And if Kendra says, Hey, I'm feeling tired. Let's take a week off. We can do that. And I think that's the important thing to keep like in the end, what's the difference between 5 million and 50 million. What's the difference between 10 and a hundred? Really? It's like just numbers. Um, Cause once you have the freedom, that's the goal. Yeah. Well, and I love the way that you reframe that because, and we talk about this all the time, but the reality is it's your life. Mm -hmm. But so many times the things that we think we want, we wake up three years, four years, five years later, and we found ourselves in this scenario. And and by the way, it's a constant balance. I mean, I remember, um, you know, I remember literally drawing on a whiteboard with the guy that's my CEO. Now he was my service manager way back in the day. And I remember, you know, we had years where we did 10 million and then we had years where, you know, just two years before that, it was like 6 million and there's just these huge peaks and valleys. And I remember drawing a line right through the middle of these peaks and valleys. I'm like, let's try to find that line, yeah. you know, but it's so hard because, um, and you know, I think balance is probably a lie, but I love the way that you bring this back and, and really just recenter us because it's our life and what do we really want? And I think the more we can be cognizant and aware of that. I love what you said too about, you know, just realizing that if you can take a month off, if you ever need to take a week, it's not so big. And what I was thinking about is the first time I did 75 hard, the big epiphany for me was two things. Number one, I can go 75 days without an alcoholic beverage. That was huge for me. (laughs) But then number two, I was like, I worked out twice a day for 75 days when usually I'm like, oh, I I can't, I can't work out even once a day because I don't have time and all. It's reframing our mind around it too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny. It makes me think, so have you heard of the book called how to become or becoming supernatural? Yes. Someone. Okay. Have you read that yet? Yeah. Okay. It is blowing my mind uh, because it's really, they're talking about these studies of these people, like literally sitting around, not working out and then forming muscles and being stronger than people that actually are working out. Yeah. Uh, and so it goes back to what you just said, the, the mind shift. And I think that's so important. And it's, it's something I'm trying to learn um, is, you know, first of all, obviously to believe in yourself, but to believe things can happen. Mm-hmm. And if you can wrap your mind around that and see things and, you know, envision things. And for me, I want to envision rest right now, like for the sabbatical, I want to like, do the best rest I can possibly do. And I want to imagine myself in that and really lean into that. And then, you know, you can take that to, to a lot of different areas, but yeah, that, that book is really uh, pressing my buttons in a lot of different areas right now. Yeah. Joe Dispenza, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, in fact, I listened to that audio book. I think it's 13 hours or something. I listened to it yeah. when I was on 75 hard because I was walking for 45 minutes, you know, usually once a day. And so I listened to that book during that time and it was so pivotal, you know, for the audience and, and even you, I don't know if, I mean, you read in the book, but yeah. Uh, Ed Milet just had Joe Dispenza on his podcast again for like the fourth time or something. And the most recent episode was so good. Like, okay. I'll check that yeah, out. Really, really good. Um, man, so much good stuff. And it's funny cause sometimes you just never know where the show's going to go, but I'm, I'm just so curious too about, um, I don't know, maybe we do a follow-up after the, um, the sabbatical, after you, you know, decompress and and digest everything. So, um, on the theme of investing for freedom, (laughs) what do you do in life that allows you to just take a month off? Yeah, that's funny you ask, because sometimes I don't know what I do either. I so <laughs> I can I can kind of set the stage. It was it actually started with another failure, uh, funny enough. But it's again, it's just a moment of opening and closing doors. 
Um, but I was fired from, I was working for a publishing company and, uh, they let me go one Monday morning and I could kind of tell it was coming, but like a month earlier, Kendra had quit her job too. And we had been doing some like stock photography on the side, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but we'd been building portfolio and making some royalties. So we said, as soon as she gets to the point of where, uh, we're making as much per month that she was making at her job, she quit. So she quits. I get fired a month later. So we go from two incomes to zero in a month. And we sat there and we talked and we said, look, we're going to, we're going to start our own thing. We're going to do it. So we jumped in, found an old building in downtown Springfield. And uh, we reached out to the owners and uh, wound up leasing it. got a really good deal on the lease. You'll probably like, you'd laugh at this, but we got like 2,200 square feet for I think the, the two, a two year lease for 500 a month. Um, so it was dirt cheap, but we just fixed up the inside. We we're like, Hey, we'll paint, we'll, you know, do some things. So it was awesome. And then about two, three years into it, the owner came to us and said, Hey, I want to sell the building. Um, you have the first right. Do you want to buy it? And we just, we didn't even, we just, yes, we're going to buy it. We just had a piece again about it to do it. So, uh, we wound up having the, our commercial space. Then we had four lofts or three lofts above us. And, um, we wound up just taking it over. They were all full. And then one person wound up leaving. We turned into an Airbnb and then it kind of opened our eyes to the Airbnb world. Then we just went down this rabbit hole and just learned as much as we could about Airbnb. And then from there we made money. And then as we'd make money in the business, we just started pouring into real estate. So we bought more real estate to do more short-term rentals. And so that, that has given us a ton of freedom to this point. So my favorite vehicle for investing for freedom is real estate. Uh, I've lost too much money in the, in the stock market and I've lost too much money in dumb investments. Um, and I really have settled into real estate as our vehicle and we just need to learn how to, to lean into that. I'm curious. Um, I, you and I spent some time talking about this, but the stock photography thing, um, you, you still have that. You still get royalties and yeah. stuff on all that. Yeah, we do. So we built that up. It was funny. The first month we did it, I told Kendra, I'd read a book. I bought like, this is what I do. I just, I find something, I buy books on it and I read, um, but I bought a book on it, how to do it. And I think it was like the, the number one stock photographer in the world. So I told Kendra, I was like, Hey, we're going to do this. So we went out, we spent thousands of dollars on camera equipment. Um, so I mean, I guess that was a, a gamble, but I always like betting on myself, uh, or betting on us. So we went out in the first month we had, I forget how many photos we had, but we made 27 cents the first month. And Ken was like, you are crazy. And I was like, no, 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 trust me. It'll work. Let's just, we're going to keep feeding it. So we built it up to, uh, we actually, the guys out of Dallas who, uh, some really good friends and mentors who, who told us to take the sabbatical, uh, we had been doing a lot of the bigger sites for a while. We were kind of gaining traction. And then we met them and they opened up this Christian platform called Lightstock. And it was just basically for churches. So we were one of the first ones, I guess, to reach out to them. We just randomly, and I, I say, quote unquote, randomly, nothing's coincidence, but we found, we came across them, reached out, called them. He, uh, Josh answered the phone and we, we hit it off. And from that moment we started shooting and we built up, I think a portfolio of 25,000 images. Um, and they, you know, we grew with them and I think at one point, uh, we, we wound up doing, we're, we're averaging over 10,000 a month in royalties and that was just going straight into real estate. So, uh, that we were just everything we could make in that. And we still have it. It's gone down since then. Cause we're not adding to it anymore. Uh, but we still have partnerships across the board. We still have portfolios and we still get royalty checks every month from it. 
it's so crazy. And I just wanted to, you know, bring that back and point it out because um, I, I know you love real estate, but the reality is I just wanted, there's so many ways to make money. And especially so when you many. lean into, like you said this, that nothing's really a coincidence. And, you know, I think so many times people get this, you know, inspired idea, uh, whatever it's inspired by, whatever you believe out there. And, and you just get excited about it, but then, you know, you don't push through and you don't, it's kind of like you made 27 cents yeah, and you kept going, right? You're like, no, 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 trust me. Like when you know that, you know, like sometimes you got to just go out there and like you said, bet on yourself, bet on, you know, you guys. Um, I think there's such a valuable lesson in that because so many times it doesn't even matter if it's like not a new idea or nothing, you know, it's not like you invented stock photography. It was just, exactly. you bought the book and and, you know, I love Ecclesiastes says this, there's nothing new under the sun, right? I exactly. Mean, like, I think everything's inspired of God anyway. And so what it does take is some level of commitment and believing and pushing through, whether it's launching the podcast, whether it's writing the book, whether it's doing the stock, whatever it is, like we have to believe and see things through, right? Absolutely. And I think what helped me a lot was both of my grandparents growing up were dairy farmers and I grew up on a farm. Um, so, I mean, my grandpa always taught me in like, you know, farming, um, riddles, if you will. And so I just always looked at the stock photos, uh, as we were building it, as just planting seeds. So I was like, who cares? It's 27 cents today, but you know, we're going to keep watering and we're going to keep planting. And then six months from now, we're going to see what it is. And same thing. You just, you, you have that like long-term outlook with being present in the moment and knowing what we have to do. Uh, which can be tricky at times, can be tricky for some people. But if you can do that, if you can really hone in on being in the present and knowing what you have to do in order to get to where you want to go, I feel like that's where the magic is. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, that's interesting. I mean, you bought the book, you met the mentor, you know, I, I think that's another thing that you, you've, you've alluded to it, but also you can see it at every step of the way in you. I think people don't rely enough too on, you know, mentors and, and people around and asking for help too, because the majority, the majority of us, number one, don't know how to ask for help. But then a lot of people I think don't understand too, that so many people that are successful in life actually just want to help. I mean, look, you, you wrote a book. It's not like you're, you know, trying to get wealthy off the writing of a book, right? No. And your podcast is definitely not going to probably make you wealthy. Um, it, you're just, you just want to add value. And I think so many people, um, if they would just stop and realize that there's people like Justin everywhere that just want to help them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that humility, um, which kind of we've touched on, but it plays such a big part because I think humility unlocks that. And it's for some reason, for some people, it's just really hard to ask for help. And it's like, maybe it's, it reflects bad or they think it looks bad on them. But I feel like asking for help has led me to so many fun conversations. And even if it's a temporary, like, oh, you you don't know that. I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Um, just getting past that initial awkwardness or initial part of someone thinking you're stupid. The amount of conversations and the doors that have opened from asking uh, have been like just, just invaluable. So good, man. I love it. <laughs> what are you most excited about? Well, we talked about a sabbatical. I'm, I'm really excited about that, but honestly, I'm excited. I've, I'm, I'm excited to hear more stories of how the podcast or how the book has inspired people to action. Cause you kind of touched on it earlier that in action, I, I truly believe that inaction is like one of the biggest tools of the devil 
um, because like you said, you just sit around, you don't, you don't do anything. So I want to call people to action, um, through the podcast, through the book. So I'm excited to hear stories from people like, you know, from like my nephew, from, uh, I had a story of, you know, an 80 year old guy that wanted to start a podcast. And he said, you know, the book helped motivate him to do that. And he wants to do it now. So I'm all for that. I just, I want to encourage people to action. That's, that's my biggest thing. So I'm definitely excited to hear stories of how that happens. That's so good, man. So, um, any, anything else you want to touch on that we haven't, man, I don't know. I feel like we've gone through a, a lot of stuff, but, um, I, the only other thing I would say is, is, uh, you know, I know with your podcast too, you're, you're so many more episodes ahead of me, but I think the lives that you've touched without even knowing, like I said, you, I mean, you, you really don't know me that well, but I started listening to your podcast, like early on when I joined GoBundant. So that was two and a half, almost three years ago. Um, so I know you've made an impact on my life. So thank you for, um, you know, everything you've put out and just, you know, you, you're just a very thoughtful person. You're thoughtful. Same thing. You're, you could be doing better things with your time. I'm sure you you've thought it at certain times, but I appreciate you taking the time to put out amazing content, have really cool guests, um, and, and do all that. So I'm very appreciative. Well, thanks for the feedback. And I think this is, um, you know, I don't know that I've ever even um, asked this, but obviously on this show, um, you know, we've talked about how important the feedback is. So I'd like to just throw it out there um, to anybody that's listening. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm here. I've got a text platform. The text number is 480-531-7519. A lot of times I'm like text a certain word. You don't even need to text a word. You can reach out and 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 just, you know, chat with me anytime there. And I would appreciate it. And Justin, if people want to reach out to you, where's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, they can find me uh, on on Instagram or Twitter. So I'm at Justin C. Skinner. Um, and then you can find the book at, at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. We just did uh, just released the Audible a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that's out. So there's yeah plenty of ways you can find me on LinkedIn. I don't do the texting. I see that everywhere, but uh, I haven't, haven't looked into that yet. So um, but yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help any way I can. And, um, yeah, I encourage you to, to the biggest thing, if, if, if Mike's podcast or investing for freedom has has really, you know, encouraged you or encouraged you to action, man, leave a review on his podcast, like write him a note and just say, thanks. I think it goes a long way. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. I'm excited about your book too. So, um, I, I don't want to keep going back and forth here, but yeah. If you text me the word failure to 480-531-7519, I'm going to give away uh, 10 of Justin's books to the first 10 people that text me. So um, appreciate you, man. That's super nice of you. Yeah. Thanks for being yeah. on. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's It's been a pleasure. And like I said, if you want to do a follow-up after the sabbatical, I have no idea what it's going to look like. Maybe I won't even want to come back to tech. So I won't, I won't guarantee you anything. <laughs> I love it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit you up when you're done. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.